the most difficult thing is for the Word to become flesh. Jesus, uh, had John write, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John 1.14 and so forth. The Word becoming flesh. Where the Word of God becomes our flesh, then we become supernaturally used by God. And the problem is a head knowledge, but not a life application. And uh, so, good, we've got uh, someone coming here, and I, maybe someone can write for me on this. Uh, thank you. That's good. Thank you right there. That's good. And, and, and we'll uh, thank you so much. And have someone... Tell me what's right. Uh, uh oh. You, then you print it. Don't write it, please. You've seen my writing. Right? I've seen his writing. It's, uh, you pray for when you read his writing. Um, okay. Um, put down 1 Timothy 4.15 up there, uh, and, and then Psalm 1, 2, and 3, and then Joshua 1, 8. Those are three verses. Those are three verses on meditation. 1 Timothy 4.15. Meditate on these things. <laughs> First Timothy 4.15, and right by it, don't go down, right by it, put Psalm 1, 2, and 3, <clears throat> and then Joshua 1.8. Oh. Every time you see the word meditation used, uh, generally, it refers to something of profit. Meditate on these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profit may appear to all. And Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt uh, make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Success in meditation. Psalm 1, 2, and 3. His delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Uh, and it says, Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Meditation and prosperity are linked together in Scripture. Now, there are a number of verses in the Psalms, especially, where the word meditation is used. One aspect of meditation in the ancient Hebrew, was repeating a verse of Scripture over and over again, shouting it as loud as you could. And if you've ever been to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem and gone into where they have the neophytes and the young uh, students uh, studying, you will see eight or ten students yelling at the top of their lungs the same thing over and over and over, and that is called meditation. But I like the term reflective thinking, with a view to application, I believe is what the Lord has for us here. And so learning to meditate on Scripture will enable you to chew it up. So I'm going to give you the, the, five, the five points, and, and I mean, I'm going to give you three, five Ps. And then 
what I'm going to have us do after we've discussed this sometime is to break in groups of three or four and, and work on a verse of Scripture like you would with a group to meditate on it. And I think you'll have fun with it. Uh, the first is perimeter of the verse. You check the verse in its context. The only way you can interpret a verse is by the verses around it. Every cult takes verses from the context and says this is what this means. But if you put the verse in the context, many times it has a totally different meaning. So the context gives you the key to the principle of interpretation. Uh, that's the first rule in hermeneutics. You interpret a verse by the verses around it. Uh, so I'm trying to think um, the perimeter of the verse. Let's, let's do an easy one, 1 Peter 5, 7. How many, that verse, you happen to know that verse by heart? Okay. Everyone should know that verse because you can use it every week. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. you, you now you, you, you know the verse. But see, you've got to link the reference to the first. The way you memorize is link the reference to the first. Glue the reference to the first word, casting, or cast. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So we'll use that one because that's a simple, small one. Uh, now, let's look at the verse around it. Look at the verses around 1 Peter 5, 7, and you find something very, very interesting. Tell me one thing that's before 1 Peter 5, 7 that's of interest. Hmm? Humble yourself, all right? One of the keys to this verse being applicable is a humble heart. Because you look at the verses before, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, or likewise ye younger, verse 5, you can go that far back. If you want to be technically accurate, you interpret every verse by all the verses before it and after it. See, because there is a, the length of the ministry of the Spirit in moving to that verse, and so all that's gone before has something to do with that verse. But we don't do that. We say at least go two or three verses before it and two or three verses after it, and you'll get the primary meaning or interpretation of, of that verse. So he's talking about young people, the younger, submit yourself unto the elder. So he's talking about submission there. Yeah, all of you be subject one to another. Oh, who wants to do that? And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble your, and look at these promises. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Sometimes it's a long time. Sometimes it's going to be in heaven. If you get it down here, you probably won't get it up there. So run from a pat on the back unless it's below the waist. <laughs> You'll get it in heaven if not here. Sorry. Okay. Anyway. We must be gracious. People compliment us. We say, thank you very much. But we, we just pass it right on to Jesus. Don't let it stop long here. It's not uh, because he does, it, he does it all through the clay of our lives. All right. So, well, now, give me a couple of verses after this that affects the casting. 
Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, whoa! So casting all your care is linked with something that, that the devil is interested in. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walking, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Um, wow. Application. People who do not cast their care on the Lord are eaten by Satan. Many mental institutions are full of people that will not forgive. They did not give that care to the Lord. Anyone that's holding unforgiveness will never fly for Jesus. You'll be grounded the rest of your life. But look what they did. Of course. The devil works in the lives of people. I mean, I did, did you read about those Quakers at that school up there in Connecticut or up north that forgave the guy that machine gunned eight or nine or ten of the children and, and the Quakers forgave them? That not just took guts, that took supernatural power. But, but they did that. And by the way, anyone you don't forgive has you chained to them. You're chained in the prison of unforgiveness. And they control you emotionally. I can remember some guys that attacked my son. Some men verbally attacked and beat my son to pieces every week. I wanted to knock, put my fist in their throat and pull out their heart. I hated them. I had to forgive them. Almost no one forgives. I forgive. Almost no one can forgive like that. Uh-uh. It took me months forgiving, and then it'd come back. Once you forgive, you can ask God to bless them. Oh, until you can ask God to bless them, you ain't forgiving them. Now, God spells bless, B-L-A-S-T, sometimes. <laughs> You see, God's in the business of punishing and disciplining his children. If they're not his children, they're the Satan's child, and, and, and he'll roast them in hell. They'll be in hell. We've got to forgive. Uh, uh, Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail or woman fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and many be defiled. If you haven't forgiven, you will poison your children. You will poison everyone you love will be poisoned by your unforgiveness. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. If you don't have love and you don't have joy, you don't have the Holy Spirit working in your life. You have the Holy Spirit if you're saved, but you're not working in your life at all. You're, you've grieved him. You've grieved him. And there's nothing you can do at church that will change that. You have got to do something with this. You've got to forgive. And that's supernatural. But I, I said I forgave them. I must have said it 200 times. I must have said it 200 times, and I'd wake up mad at them. So I had to, Lord, I forgive them. First, love is basically not an emotion. 
Love is a decision that results in emotion. I stayed married to one woman 50 years, and I can tell you I emotionally didn't like her sometimes. In fact, she didn't like me. She'd walk out of the house and start crying, and I'd have to hug her and forgive my and, and, and ask forgiveness. She knew what to do. And uh, first time I got mad at her is on how to celebrate Christmas. I'm from a large family of Moors. My grandmother had 14 boys and no girls, and the grandmother on the other side had four boys and two girls. We had a bu- I had 32 first cousins, and the cousins gave little gifts to one another, nickel dime, 20 cent gifts and things, and they came in at Christmas, and on Christmas Eve we opened all of the fun gifts of the relatives. On Christmas Day we opened the Santa Claus, the, the personal close gifts. My wife was an only child. She had two cousins in Brazil as missionary kids and had one cousin in the United States. She got almost no gifts, so they opened all of them at Christmas Day. And I said, on Christmas Eve, well, we got the gifts. Let's open our gifts. She said, it's not Christmas. I said, I know it's Christmas Eve. That's when we open all the gifts, except yours and mine. We'll open tomorrow. She said, no, we will not. (laughs) It It was freezing outside. I ran outside and cl- closed the door and nearly broke the window out. And I th- I'm freezing outside here. And she's inside crying. This is crazy. We've been married four months and this is our big fight over how to celebrate Christmas. It's stupid for me to be outside freezing and her to be in there. So I said, I've got to do something about this. So I went back in and I apologized. I said, I am selfish. This is just my heritage. This is the way I grew up. She said, for me too. I said, we'll do exactly what you want to do, but after the first of the year, let's discuss this without emotion and come up to a solution. She said, that's good. So we hugged each other and we opened them all. We gorged on Christmas Day, you know. And uh, <laughs> But after the first of the year, we decided what we would do. On Christmas Eve, I can open one gift. <laughs> and this then went on for 49 more years. And she got to open them. We opened the rest of them on Christmas Day. That's the way we handled it. <clears throat> there we go. I got my way. <laughs> All right. The perimeter of the verse, okay? Now, and this verse says, if you don't cast your care to the Lord, Satan's going to eat you. It's horrible. Why would that have to be there right by casting? It's it's not fair. But the Holy Spirit had him put there. Because, you see, we are offended. People hurt us all the time. Some don't know about it. You, you, You realize some people have offended you, and they don't know about it at all. They didn't do it deliberately. But they offended you. My mother moved to the city where I'm preaching in Tampa. And she came to my house one time. And she said, honey, um, I think you had something on your sweater when you preached Sunday. Let me check your clothes. She went upstairs to our bedroom and started pulling out clothes. She said, you shouldn't wear this. And this needs to be cleaned. And this, that. When my wife came home, 
from her four hours doing pediatrics. She said, what's all this stuff on the bed? Well, mom pulled them out. She said, this was dirty and this one I didn't need to wear it. She said, in my bedroom? You're letting your mom in our bedroom? I said, whoa. She went in. <laughs> and she said, do you love me or your mom? I said, well, I love you both, but I love you first. She said, let's make sure I'm first. Don't, she can't go in the bedroom again. You tell her. We had a rule of thumb that was perfect. Anything with my part of the family, I talked to them. Anything that was her part of the family, she talked to them. And that's a rule of thumb you need any young couple. You're not t talking to your wife's relatives about this or that they didn't do, or she talking to your relatives. The person in that family handles the problem with the people in their family. And man, boy, did that change things. It was wonderful. When her mother got after me, Kimmy said, you may not talk to my husband that way. You talk to me. And my wife was so smart. Her mother said, honey, I've got some extra money. You're driving that old Chevy. I want to give you a, a nine-passenger station wagon. You just go pick it out. You want a Cadillac? You want an Oldsmobile? Whatever you want. She said, I'll pray about it, Mom. She came and said, if I get that car, I will be my mom's chauffeur. After all, she gave me a car. She said, with three kids, I, I don't have time to be my mom's. She, she has a husband. Her first husband died. This is her second husband. And he can drive. I'm not going to take that offer. I thought, oh, good night. I would have enjoyed that car. <laughs> but she was so smart, she turned it down. Because many presents have strings connected with them. And they're made out of steel. <clears throat> oh, my wife was so smart. Marrying me. Uh -uh. And, <laughs> and then being willing to live with me for 50 years. It's wonderful. Uh, so, anyway, the perimeter of the verse helps you interpret the verse. The next word is paraphrase. Put the verse in your own words. Would you write out 1 Peter 5, 7? Give it the living your translation. Just write it out on a piece of paper. How would you put it in your own words? Whatever your translation says, uh, don't use that. Just put it in your own words like you're telling it to an eight-year-old. Here's what the verse says. Put it in your own words. Paraphrase it. I've written down mine here. And we'll ask a number of you to, if you will volunteer to share. Paraphrase the verse. It's simple. You've checked it in its context. You find it's linked with a bunch of other things that make the verse very, very, very important. Submission is essential to be able to cast. I talked to... I talked to a man at the major clinic in the Midwest, a psychological clinic. I forget the name of the, of the uh, it's known all over the world for uh, the psychology. 
and I talked to a Christian who was there. He said, the biggest problem that we have is getting people to forgive those who offended them. If they can forgive them, we can discharge them, the Mayo Clinic. They won't forgive them, and they will remain sick and die here or go back home and get something else that will kill them. If they would release the person, they would have a new life. But we can't get them to forgive unless they know the word and then we use the scripture. I can because I'm a Christian. Others don't have that, so they can't use it. Paraphrase the verse. All right, who will give me a paraphrase? Raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. Okay, good. Someone else. What did you write? Yes, ma'am. Okay, very good. That was excellent. Did, yes, sir. Read it. Uh, God cares so that you don't have to. God, God cares. God cares so you don't have to. Okay, thank you. Good. Okay. Someone else at the back there. Can you hear me back there? Yes, in the very back. Okay, good. That was a nice paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> Good, all right. I wrote, give every problem to God. He loves you and can carry your load. God's saying, look, give me the load. Give me, put it on me. And when you try to grab it off my back, put it right back on me. Have you ever given something to God and just let the boat float away with the Lord and the problem in it? Oh, man. And every time Satan wants to redock that problem, no, no, no. The Lord has my problem. The Lord has it. The Lord has it. Paraphrase the verse. Number three, pulverize the verse. Pulverize the verse. A verse is a string of pearls. Every word has a special meaning. Every word is important. Words are, are gold nuggets. They're pearls. They're fabulous. They're wonderful. Paraphrase the verse. Pulverize the verse. And now we're going to do two things. We're going to emphasize each word in the verse aloud. That's the first thing we're going to do. And so I want this to be the big, I want this to be the Fort Hood voice choir. <laughs> la, 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 la. We're getting ready. We're all going to say it together. And because I have it memorized in the King James, if you don't mind using me, uh, using casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And so we're going to do it like this. Casting. All your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him. We're going to emphasize each word saying the verse all the way through. Are you getting my point? All right, let's start together now. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, 
for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See? Now, if we did it even slower, what I'm doing, I'm looking for what is the most important word or words in the verse. Now, you could pick anywhere, any number of two or three. You could pick what first? Casting would be one. The word care or careth, he careth or cares for you. Uh, let's just take the word cast. Now, here's the fun. We're going to bombard cast with the five W's and how. We're going to bombard it with who, when, where, why, how. Who, when, where, why. I don't need, is it what, what, and how. Thank you. Who, when, where, why, what, and how. Now, with the word casting. By the way, on Revelation 3.20, I have written 50 questions down about Revelation 3.20, and I preached five different sermons on it in a revival, the same verse of Scripture. And I didn't repeat myself, they said. There's that much in verses of Scripture. All right. Uh, give me a question for casting. The, don't say how. That's the hardest. All right. Who should I cast? Sometimes the answer is in the verse. The answer is that who do you cast it on? The Lord. Him. Lord God. Mm -hmm. All right. When do I cast? Now. Where do I cast? On him. Why do I cast? He asks me to. He commands me to. Okay. All right. Who is to cast? I am. Good. Excellent. And when you take that through all of these W's and then you finally say, you get to the big one. How do I cast? How do I cast where it doesn't come back? You see, I cast like a boomerang. Ah, hits begin. How do you cast where it doesn't come back? You want it to stick up there. You want it to stay on his back. So you have to learn how to cast. Satan is the great discourager. The Holy Spirit is the great encourager. And so here's a statement that I use. Glue the promise to the problem. Glue the promise to the problem. Let's say that together. Glue the promise to the problem. Glue the promise to the problem. What is the promise in 1 Peter 5, 7? He cares for you. He cares for you. That's a promise. Glue the promise to the problem. The problem is this person or this situation or this job or this financial thing. And so I glue the promise to the problem. Every time I think of the problem, I say the promise. Satan doesn't want you saying promises. And he'll get off your back. When you claim the promise, Satan stops messing with you. He doesn't want you quoting scripture. Glue the promise to the problem. Boy, that is a sentence worth power. I've seen lives change all over the world claiming that. 
due to the promise to the problem. There are at least 5,000 promises in Scripture. In this particular tiny verse, He cares for you as a promise. So every time I think of this problem, I thank you, you care for me. You care for me now. You care for me with all your heart. You're, you're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. You're, you're the one that controls the whole galaxies and universes, and you care for me. I grew the promise to the problem, and that problem shrinks as I trust because of the promise. Pulverize. And then we bombard that with questions. Okay, who, when, where, what, why, and how? The next one, personalize the verse. Personalize the verse. It's not enough to have a verse that says, uh, you've got a problem you need to cast. We need to personalize. We need to get specific, pointed, personal, practical. What problem do I need to cast? Do I need to cast a person? You say they're too heavy to cast. <laughs> yeah, many are. The Lord will float them up there if you'll give it to him. He'll, 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 he'll float them up there. Uh, and, but we need to get specific. We tend to be general, see. that You shoot anything general. You sh- every general you shoot in your spiritual army. Because general will never get you any answers. General prayer will never get you an answer. General problems will... No, you've got to get specific. Specific. Pointed, personal, practical. You personalize the verse. You glue the promise to the problem. And then the last one, you pray the verse back to God. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've asked me to give you the problem so that Satan doesn't devour me. And so I'm giving you Joe Willie. I, I, I don't want him anymore. He's keeping me awake at night. Uh, I'm taking two Rolades every time I go to bed, one for the second time I think of him, and one for the first time I think of him, about two in the morning. And I have the bottle by the bed, Lord. I, I just, I, I want to I, I give him to you. I don't want him hanging around. And it might take me two weeks. It might take me three weeks. But I'm fighting. I want the Lord to take him, and, which means I have to trust that God has taken him. You see, if the Lord takes him, then the Lord can spank him. As long as I keep him, the Lord will not discipline him. You want that, 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 that monster disciplined? Then give him to Jesus. Give him to the Lord. You want to keep him? Fine. You'll keep him, and you'll have, uh, you'll have acid indigestion the rest of your life. <clears throat> you'll make uh, all of these acid... Uh, dissolvers a million dollars. Give him to the Lord. And Satan will pop him right back. <clears throat> give him to the Lord again. If you learned only this with all the pressure that we're under, with financial, relatives, job, all kinds of pressure, health, to learn this one verse is like learning to fly. Where you're flying and it always works. But 
it doesn't, I, 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 I say I forgive or I say this, but I, I have to work it. You have to keep doing it till I'm sure I have done it and the Lord has it. And Satan will try to blindside me. Aha, uh, you're worrying again. And give it right back, right up to him. And I, I finally got where I could release my son's torturers to the Lord for the Lord to handle them. I had two men in my church who did everything they could to destroy the vision God gave me for our church. Every time I raised something, they led to vote it down. And every time I thought of the guy, I needed a Tums. And my wife said, honey, when are you going to give that guy to Jesus? When are you going to let Jesus handle him? I said, I want to. He, she said, you've got to. And I finally got victory over it. And you know what? Every time he stood up in business meeting, his wife was pulling his coat, sit down, sit down, sit down. Because whatever he voted, whatever he spoke for, the church voted the opposite. And so I got to where I wanted him to stand because I'd get my way all the time. <laughs> whatever I felt God was leading the church to do, man, oh, man, he spoke against it. They defeated him. And, and we went on for Jesus. Uh, that's just one verse. There are hundreds out there, just as good, just as juicy, just as wonderful. When you link memory with meditation, then the Word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of sunder of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh, man, it's wonderful. O oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, thy lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and, and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Psalm 63, 1 to 8. Juicy. Mm. I need that. I quote it at night many times. Ah, oh, the power of memorizing scripture. It's cumulative on you. Better and better and better and better. Now, uh, if you meditate on one verse a week, let's say the verse you're memorizing, then that verse has depth to it. The verse begin, begins to spread out and occupy a place of gigantic blessing and power in your life. Now, what question do you have that I might deal with on anything that has come up? Yes, ma'am.
because of my disappointment in prayer. And for instance, I have an unsaved daughter. Mm -hmm. I have an unsaved brother who's 82. And my, my dad is 93, mm -hmm. almost. And, and I, there's no other way to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so dumb, but I've given up. And it's the same with our prodigal child. I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like the, it's like I'm approaching God and I feel like he can't hear me anymore. Thank you for that. I, I don't know if you heard. She, uh, some loved ones have not come to Christ, and she's, in a way, blaming God for not answering her prayer. And I think all of us have experienced a shock in something happening that it was the opposite of what we prayed, or the opposite. And, of course, you've heard the expression, God says yes, no, and wait. Uh, but God does say no. God does say no. Uh, Israel spent 430 years in the wilderness or in captivity. There's a place in the Old Testament that says that they only had to spend 410, but they spent 430 because they didn't believe God. And we know not everyone is going to be saved. Just because I'm saved doesn't mean everyone I know and pray for, God has to save them. Do I believe in the total love of God? Well, sometimes we don't. I don't know how many verses you've memorized on God's love, but, but I have I've had to memorize a lot of verses on God's love because why doesn't he love them as much as he, I love them? No, God knows them. Uh, I have to believe in the sovereignty of God. Uh, without that, then I got, no, I got nothing to hang on to. If God isn't ultimately in charge, if he gives up being in charge, and occasionally he will, jot, he will zoom down to earth and he'll be in charge, and then he flips back to heaven and waits 50 years, and then he comes back down again. No, he is in charge. And there are many things I sure don't understand. I don't understand uh, Satan. Uh, I, I, I know where he came from, and I know what happened, and I know uh, Jesus says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And I knew when I was working at MIT and, and uh, at Harvard doing student work that I was going to have to answer those college students that wanted to know, you beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. How did God let him fall, and where did he fall? Well, he fell to earth, and why didn't God kill him then? I don't know. Why would God allow all this stuff? I don't know. I do know that there's a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, and the heaven where my wife is is not going to be the heaven that's down here later on. It's going to be, going to be different. I have to hang on to John 17, 23. I am them and thou in me that they also may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved thee as thou hast loved me. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus says God loves his disciples as much as he loves the Son. Inconceivable. And I've memorized verses on his love. And, uh, in 
and all their affliction, God was afflicted. Oh, how could God be afflicted? God is, is, is experiencing the affliction of those rebellious, dumb Israelites in the wilderness. And all their affliction, God was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them in his love and his pity. He redeemed them and he bore them and he carried them all the days of old. But all those 21 and older never made it out of the wilderness. They all died. They buried them all. They buried a million and a half people or two million people in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. Because their parents didn't believe God. We're hooked up with our parents. And our parents are hooked up to us. And... Uh, but we've got to walk with the Lord. Uh, I, my, my brother's in his 80s. I prayed for him for at least 60 years. <clears throat> he has children that are all lost. Uh, a friend of mine got Billy Graham's son and uh, Billy Graham's uh, grandson. <clears throat> And they drove down to Hemphill, Texas, where my, my brother lives on a lake there across from Louisiana. And they knocked on the door and went in and witnessed to him. I was afraid he wouldn't have let them in. He might have taken a shotgun or something, but he was so surprised he let them in. Even served them some food. I don't know what he did. But they witnessed to him, and they shared the gospel with him. And they drove all the way from Dallas four hours down to this place. I could not believe anyone would care that much about one of my relatives. And I still pray for my, my brother and his, his wife. And he sends me forwards all the time. And he actually says that he loves me. And he didn't say that for 50 years. So, But it, that he would just love my Savior is what I need. All I can say is, shall not the God of all the earth do right? God will never do anything that is wrong. Uh, and yet God gives free will to people. And uh, I want him to run over their free will and make them <laughs> trust Jesus or, or pay their debts or do this thing or that. And God doesn't do that many times. Sometimes you, you get these miracles. You really get a miracle. And I've experienced miracles. I've experienced healings that instant, instantaneous cancer gone, things like that. I've, I've seen a few of those in my, my life, but they're not normal. They're not everyday kind of stuff. Uh, that's all I know is I would major on the verses where the Lord tells you that he loves you and make sure you've got four or five Good verses memorized on that. Uh, that's that's all I know uh, on that one. But that's a. Thank you for sharing. That's a, I think all of us experienced that. Someone else with a question. Anyone? Anything else? Well. Get ready to burp. In 10 minutes, they're going to have some food for us. Let me just say what a delight it's been to be with you here. And I'll be d doing some, some different things tomorrow. Yes, sir. You mentioned some practical tools for men going with uh, 
Well, yes. And on my website, I have three or four methods of Bible study. We must get people in the Word of God. Then you get the Holy Spirit after them. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Marco Zorro. What, 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 what? And we've got to get this. Get the sword in their, in their hand where the Holy Spirit can work in their lives. So well, you've got to teach them how to. I teach them how to do inductive Bible study, the answer four questions. There's in my website. Uh, I teach how to do a, a word study, uh, uh, how, to, how to study a verse, uh, how to meditate. You get them in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit just changes their life staggeringly, marvelously, uh, continuously when they get in the Word. And so, basically, I do two things. My goal is to help a man get in the Word where he can feed his own soul. If he has to depend on the preacher, he's in trouble. The greatest preacher, I hear David Jeremiah, uh, I have three or four pastors almost every night. I wake up at three or four in the morning and on my Salem broadcasting station, their own, and I hear that I go back to sleep, something like that. But they've got to, most people, you don't want to be around spoon babies all the time. Oh, I eat him with my little spoon here, but I can't eat with a fork and knife because I just... I'm just a baby. I'm 50 years old, and I'm a baby, and I'm, I'm eating this food. And, and, I, and sometimes it dumps out, you know, because I don't turn it this way. I turn it like that, and it dumps out. No, we've got to give the people the tools for eating the Word of God. Scripture memory, quiet time, uh, their uh, word studies, biographical studies, inductive Bible study. And these are what I teach guys that don't even need a high school education to get it how to feed their own souls, see. And then, and then you must witness with people. You must take them out witnessing. If no more than, uh, as I told one guy today, I'm working with an MD. I said, I want to know your favorite MD, a friend that's an MD. And, and, and you invite him out to lunch, and I'm going to be there. You say, this is a friend of mine, and I'll give my testimony, and we'll see what happens. We must share Christ taking others with me. You must do that. Discipleship isn't sitting around a table discussing the Bible. It's life. It's being out in life. It's, uh, I, en- I encourage every parent to enable their, their kid to go to work with them one day and see how they work and where they work as long as they, you can go in and, and it's not pr- prohibited where they can see how you work, where they know how to pray for you. And I want you to go in every time you can go to the kid's school. You take, you have to take a holiday off and you go to the kid's school or whatever you have to do where you see, meet the teachers. And you see what's happening to the kid and why they like this and don't like this and, and this and that. We've got to invade our children's and our neighbor's life. Uh, that way we can witness better to them. You help a neighbor out you give a party for your neighbor's kid, you can go in that house anytime. After all, what you do to my kid or my grandkid, you're doing to me. And I won't forget it. And what, do you, what is your plan to reach your neighbors? Oh, they're, they go to church every Sunday. Where do they go? Do they live like they know Jesus? Have you asked them? Everyone is lost that you know unless you've checked them out. No one's going to heaven that you know unless you've checked them out. 
Just because they're Baptist, you can be Baptist bred, Baptist dead. I wish every Baptist were saved, but as an expert, having pastored, uh, I've been in the ministry some 60 plus years, I can tell you we got a lot of devils in Baptist churches. They're never happy. They make other people miserable because they're miserable. They've never received the Lord. The spirit of the spirit is joy. They don't want to have joy. They're sour pussies because they don't know the Savior. Oh, well, they have a bad background. Who didn't have a bad background? What about all the people in the Bible with bad backgrounds? Good night. And uh, the Lord can do a, a mighty work. I know that. And so I just I thank you so much, and I will not forget you. In fact, what I I don't I left it home. I left it in my room charging. I'm going to take a picture uh, of you where I can remember you. And I'll, I certainly will be praying for these three churches and the people there. And uh, so we're there. And thank you again so much for, for coming. And you certainly encouraged me giving Friday and Saturday. That's uh, You're doing a lot more than people in Tampa would do, I tell you, for, for that. It shows your hunger. And I believe the Lord will bless you in this. Uh, uh, get a verse. And take it through meditation. Some of this you can teach a 10 or 11-year-old kid. And you get the kids in the Word where they, they enjoy it and they're getting answers to prayer. And some they don't, some, they don't get the answer. And I, I don't know all the reasons for that. But, but if you pray enough, you get so many more answers than the ones you don't get. That uh, you know you're, you're cooking on the griddle. All right. All right. There's the pinky here, like this. Okay, put it like this. Uh, look at it here. Oh, man, they're on the front. <laughs> One, two, buckle my shoe. Three, four, shut the door. I got it. All right, thank you so much. All right, uh, Brother Danny, you want to lead in prayer for the food by faith?